Hello, and welcome to episode 186 of the End Focus podcast. I am your irregular host, Andrew Brown, and I am joined, as always, by our regular co-host. Excuse me. Excuse me. What are you doing? What are you doing here? Uh, I thought I'd turn up for this one. So that means I'm in the chair. I get the good chair, the one with the arms. You know the one. I never agreed to this. Well, fine. (laughs) I remain your irregular host, and here's our regular host, Andy Corrigan. Welcome back, Andy. Hey, welcome. Thank you. Uh, And uh, the person we didn't get to mention, or the person that Andrew didn't get to mention, was Tori. Hey, Tori, how are you? Hi, the awkward third wheel. Yes. Uh, somehow I think that's my job, even though I'm usually the host, but you know. Um, yeah, so I'm here because uh, Kirby came out a week ago. Uh, the reason the Kirby chat was delayed was actually my fault, or rather that of the Australian Postal Service. So yeah, with that, this episode, we're going to talk about Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Uh, I'm going to catch up with some of the stuff I've been playing, including Grand Theft Auto and Chocobo GP. I had a lot of fun with one of those, and not a lot of fun with the other. I'll... I'll let you guess which one was which. Uh, and we're going to talk about folders, Breath of the Wild 2, and E3 2022. Folders! <laughs> <laughs> so with that, let's get on to the latest Switch news. Okay, folders, they're finally here on the Switch OS. Meaning you can painstakingly organise every game in your collection... Uh, Andrew, you buy so much. Have you done with that yet? <laughs> oh, I did it all the first night. Like it was all I did that first night. When it just there was no notice that this was happening, and they just Nintendo just pushed out an update, and the folders was in it, and we all found out at the same time on Twitter. For <laughs> me, at least, I found out on Twitter, and I was like, "Oh, Sorry. I know what I'm doing with the rest of the night," because I have a disgusting amount of software, and I have. All of the icons on my Switch at the same time. It's it's quite a headache to navigate them. Uh, but mainly what I wanted folders for was just to keep them all organized by which SD card I have them installed on at the moment. I have been using a Google Sheets spreadsheet to track that up until now. Uh, <laughs> quite tired of that spreadsheet. And I'm very happy now that I can just stick them in a different folder on the Switch dashboard itself to indicate which SD card the game is currently installed on uh, versus tracking it in a spreadsheet. It's much easier. It's much better. It's all I ever wanted it for. And that's what I spent most of that night doing was sorting everything <laughs> by SD card and then alphabetizing it. And uh, I love alphabetizing. It's a it's a guilty pleasure of mine. <laughs> you nerd. I'm grateful. There's a couple of things that uh, I was pleased with. Like some sometimes these folder systems don't let you duplicate the icon in different folders you can do that here so mm. you my main use case for folders is having one that says priority ah. which is basically games that i really need to play that i haven't yet and i try and go through them in order whenever i've got a a free patch of time which is very rare these days um, but i could have say a zelda game in my zelda folder and still have it in my priority folder so that that's pretty neat i did make a folder um, of just doom games and mm-hmm. I called it. I've got one. Of those. I called it Doom with like twenty O's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tori, what a, what unique filing system have you come up with? Um, I went by publisher if I had enough from them. Like I have an Atlas folder now, um, 
Nintendo first party and Nintendo third party-ish, you know, like Astral Chain and Bayonetta, that sort of stuff, um, and retro games. But I, I feel like the idea of having like a, a playlist folder of the games that you're actively playing is actually a good idea that I didn't consider. Mm-hmm. I use that on my PS4. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good idea. I just wish they were accessible straight from the, the main home screen. That's mm-hmm. my only yeah. gripe. T- totally agree. Or even if there's just a folders icon that takes up one of the game spaces. Yeah. That'd be cool too. Or even like at the bottom with the little circle icons, something like that. Just something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it the way it is. Like that's what PlayStation <laughs> does and it just creates clutter. I don't like clutter that's why i've always liked about nintendo's dashboard even before it had folders it's very simple it's very clean it's not full of all the the garbage and the advertisements that xbox and playstation get so Mm. yeah i I like that this is a minimalist approach to folders in spite of it actually being more robust than the folder options on on the other two platforms yeah one of the best next gen features of the new xbox and playstation consoles is the fact that the dashboards don't run like crap because it's got live servicey stuff <laughs> running in the background <laughs> uh yeah all the power and that's that's the the most beneficial place that you see it uh okay we'll move on uh breath of the wild 2 officially de- delayed to 2023 with the lack of news everyone kind of had suspected this was coming i was still holding out hope for a late uh holiday release this year but Hope's dashed. Um, I'm not too mad, really, though, because uh, when Nintendo hold on to stuff, that tends to come out in a better condition. Um, if they need time, they can have the time. It's fine. I've got plenty on my plate. So, uh, yeah, how, how are we feeling about this one? I'm not too fussed. I've got Xenoblade 3 to play this year, and I think having that and Breath of the Wild 2 would have been way too much for me to handle. Well, it was way too <laughs> much in 2017, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I, I didn't play Xenoblade 2 for like a year or two after it came out because mm. of that. Yeah. So I don't mind, but uh, I just wish we had a name. That's all I want. Yeah, they're being really cagey with the title, and they seem to think that it's going to be a spoiler if they say it. But they said the same thing about Avengers, and then Avengers' secret mystery title was Endgame. I was like, are you kidding? This is the title you've been keeping secret? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody guessed it. But uh, I'm not... I'm also unfussed about it. Like I said, uh, I th- I've said multiple times on this podcast when the the subject of a release date has come up, it'll come out when it comes out, and I'll be excited for it then. But I'm I'm just refuse to get hype about it right now because <laughs> who knows what's going to happen with it in the future. What I want to know is Zelda's that they've stated that they consider it a, a annual franchise. So is something going to take its place, or is this going to just be a year where we don't get a Zelda game? Twilight Princess, please. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we'll probably get a double pack of those Wii releases. That'd be good. It'd be nice, but again, I'm, I'm, I refuse to predict anything anymore. I'm tired of being <laughs> wrong. Uh, it's that thing where it wouldn't surprise me if they were all ready to roll and they're just waiting for a delay or something, such as this as an opportunity so yeah i would like both those games i mean i say i'd like both those games i own them multiple times and can play them anytime (laughs) i want but i want them on the switch okay (laughs) play this amazing game on my wii u or my wii or my gamecube i have it on all three 
nah, I'll just wait for the Switch port. <laughs> uh, you know, I have to pull the consoles out of the boxes. Exactly. And plug it all in. And who can be bothered with that? You know? Two power ports for the Wii U. Nah. <laughs> yeah, screw it. Screw it. Uh, and then the other big news, E3 2022 is cancelled. The timing made me not believe it for three days. <laughs> sorry, sorry, news sites. Well, um, it was announced on March 31st for me, so I immediately believed it. Mm-hmm. It was literally April 1st here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I will IGN, they're kind of US-based most of the time, so can I believe it? But uh, yeah, um, I don't think this would affect Nintendo's plans to do a direct at that time. I don't think they're even officially part of the E3 presentational stuff anyway. Like, their only presence there really was, like, the treehouse, right? Yeah. So I don't think it really affects anything Nintendo-wise if they wanted to time something out. Like, E3 was cancelled last year, too, so I think E3 is, is dead now. I don't I don't think it's ever going to really come back. Not in the way that it was, certainly. Uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. some corporate entity will buy the name E3 and then they'll have E3, but it won't really be E3. But anyway, uh, they had a, a program last year, too. Didn't it, like, take until almost july before they actually aired it though so they'll have something at the beginning of summer to show what's coming up for their holiday releases but and Mm -hmm. that'll be e3 quote-unquote as far as nintendo is concerned yeah i mean they've got summer game fest as well whether or not they're officially a part of that or not i don't think we need e3 anymore we haven't needed it for a long time like the last The last thing that I can really remember happening at E3 that was, like, that mattered was when they doxed a bunch of the people who were attending by accident. <laughs> it's like, good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I ever enjoy from uh, E3 at the moment is uh, Xbox, Xbox's conferences are always great and very hype, and I come away feeling very good about video games, but then I end up enjoying very little of the stuff they showcase. <laughs> so it's like... And I fall for it every time. And then, like, PlayStation's presentations these days are, are a bit lacking. Uh, not not quite as awkward as back in the PS3 days, but, you know, they they don't have the spectacle. So it's like, eh, I don't really get as much as I used to. They have that art house sort of vibe to their um, life stuff now. Like, the mm-hmm. last one I remember was the one where they had, like, a a big tent with four stages and they made the crowd move between each tent. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing people complaining about that. <laughs> and now we have well, to go I... to the auditorium for the concert. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is the Ghost of Tsushima tent and this is... I can't even remember what else there was. I think it was Last of Us and maybe the the bikey zombie game. What's it called? Uh, Days Gone. Days Gone is it. very good. Yeah. Yeah. Still waiting on a price drop on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's that. Uh, that's it for the news. Uh, nothing else really. So we'll get on to the things we have been playing. Uh, let's kick things off with uh, a catch up from me on the most disappointing thing that I played while I've been away. Uh, Chocobo GP. <laughs> so I don't want to spend too much time on this one because it doesn't deserve it. Uh, I also bought a physical copy before I heard about what an aggressive uh, vehicle from microtransactions it is. But, you know, I went ahead and still got it because I figured if I get an afternoon out of story mode, uh, that's fine. For some disclaimer, I played through the the story campaign and I 
did a bunch of the things in the GP mode and then I dropped it. Multiple reasons for that, but this, I'll focus on the story mode first. Uh, it's kind of like the story's told in like a visual novel between uh, like a handful of races per chapter. Um, and it's about how Chocobo, the character from the spin-off games, not Chocobo, a concept, uh, gets into motor racing because a god once bestowed a Moogle with incredible racing powers. As he does. Uh, yeah, it's it's silly all around, and it's got uh, the just constant repeating of the same bad jokes, which, you know, it's that's a humor style. It's kind of funny, um, but it, it falls flat a little. Uh, you get all this uh, cast of characters who, who return from the likes of Chocobo Dungeon, uh, or new ones that are based on classic Final Fantasy classes, or reimaginings of popular summons who are now characters in their own right. Uh, the most notable one is a punk rock behemoth who's uh, a teen child for some reason. Um, and yeah, it all gets a bit silly, and there's like five or six chapters it, i had it done in two hours it was uh yeah done and dusted which is why i delved into the gp stuff uh yeah so in terms of like the single player content it's pretty short um it does have a single player mode that is ongoing and and ties into some of the other stuff i'll get onto that later but i didn't want to spend time on that for obvious reasons um the gameplay itself it's good it's a very good kart racer and it could be an S-tier kart racer if it wasn't for a bunch of things that hold it back. Um, for one, the the shortness. There's like only eight tracks here. Uh, and there isn't an amazing amount of characters uh, as that come with it. Uh, another, there's another part of that which I'll get into shortly. Um, the mechanics, it's exactly what you expect from a kart racer of this, this type. So, you know, you power slide around corners. It, it, it steals the power slide boost system almost ad hoc from mario kart uh you get on on track power-ups in this they're magicite uh, and you get a random item that you can use you can carry three of these and but uh the thing i did like about this was if you get two or three of the same sort they get more powerful uh but it does take up one of your slots uh, those those uh, magicites, you get, you know, the typical fire and ice attacks, you get magic and physical barriers, all these little Final Fantasy flavors of power-up. Uh, there are some summons, such as Bahumat, who is uh, basically like the, the bullet from Super Mario Kart, where he'll just speed you around the track and put you in a better position. Uh, but my favorite one was a portal which uh, it opens a portal in front of you and then you appear further up the field. Um, and that's fun because if you accidentally slide into the exit portal, you'll go further back into the track. Oh. So that, that was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some, if you can place it right, there's some good opportunity for mischief there. But yeah, in the track department, it's it's kind of lacking. The, the eight is kind of disappointing. But that's pathetic. Like, the, there's a good... Yeah. Like even Mario Kart 64 had 16 tracks. Yeah, uh, and, they, and then when you look at the value of the, the Mario Kart, you know, I can't remember, Booster Pass, that, like, well, it just even Even, even without the Booster Pass, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has 48 mm. tracks. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. eight tracks in 2022 is kind of unacceptable. Um, the thing I will say is they're all fun, and they're all well-designed, and uh, they're all themed after 
things you know from Final Fantasy, uh, such as the Golden Saucer, which is one of the best ones, and you can probably imagine what Mario track that's meant to be an analogue of. Um, and Alexandria from Final Fantasy X. Is it ten? Wasn't no, isn't Alexandria nine. from nine? Final Fan- yeah, Final yeah. Fantasy Nine. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, the one with Vivi. The best one. <laughs> Never finished that one. I should get on that. It's on Switch. I know, I own it. <laughs> Again, I own it I own it several times. <laughs> this is the theme of the show. Uh yeah, so aside from that stuff, uh then you look at the monetization and it's just gross everywhere you look. So you've got like pop ups the second you boot the game telling you what you can spend real world money on. You've got login bonuses you've got battle passes there are three currencies like you know two's two's not enough um and then when i complained about how few characters there are so you play the story campaign you unlock the character a lot of the characters through that but you only unlock a handful that you can use right away the rest go into the store once you've unlocked them Mm. Uh, and you can either pay money for them or you can grind for ages and earn the slow rewards on all of eight them. tracks. Yeah, they give you enough starter currency for the battle pass, uh, which helps you unlock uh, Cloud or Squall. But the progress is so painfully slow, I gave up straight away, almost straight away. I have no interest. Um, you can spend real world money to speed it up, of course, and that's what they want you to do. Uh, but that instantly put me off spending more time with the game than i felt i had to so i played it for like a day sorry one <laughs> one afternoon and a couple of hours the next day um so wasn't really worth the money like a, a, a max three-hour campaign the gp mode and then the rest was just so off-putting i didn't really want to go back to it um wow. it's a shame because mechanically it is really good and it's really fun even like mario kart like the the thing that often puts me off going back to that is, like, I wish that had some sort of a campaign, whether it's... I know they kind of do it through the GPs, but I wish there was, like, some sort of big F1-style season format, you know, where you go through all the tracks and it's just, like, one big league table or um, or just some sort of story content. But, like, there's no contest. Like, Mar- Marika is still king in, in this regard. So, yeah, much more bang for your buck there. Now, I should probably take a break from talking, and I'll I'll cover GTA at the end. But uh, yeah, we've all been playing Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Uh, Tori's finished it, I know for certain. Andrew, have you finished it? Oh yeah, I finished it. Yeah, I have not. I've just beat the second world and progressing nicely. So, okay, so we'll get into it. So this is a change-up for the Kirby format. Um, Again, I should disclaimer this one. I've only ever played one other Kirby game, and that was Star Allies from my pool of uh, knowledge from the Kirby lore and and the uh, all, all the different games I can only see how different this one is compared to the last one uh, which is pretty damn different so it takes a kind of Super Mario 3D world uh, approach to levels which uh, I am not mad with at all I love Super Mario 3D world so this was a, a positive change Kirby maintains a lot of his abilities from from the last game in that he can suck up enemies. Should we talk about what Kirby is? What is Kirby? Some <laughs> sort of eldritch horror. He is a um, cursed creature. 
But how, how could something so cute be so damn scary? He likes to eat. Something that scary can only be that cute. <laughs> I think there's a lot of games, Kirby games, where he gets into trouble because he just wanted food or someone took his food. Or... <laughs> and then he has to fight God. Well, there's a there's a mini game in uh, Superstar, which is literally just a race for food. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're not the same species. I was about to call them a cannibal, so yeah, that doesn't work because they're not really the same species. But he eats sentient beings for fun and steals their abilities. Um, he eats their soul, basically. <laughs> Me- Mega Man did this much less creepier. Um. So yeah, so he d- he does that. Uh, some of the enemies, if he if he sucks them up, he will gain their abilities: uh, sword wielders, boomerang throwers, lava chuckers, uh, ice. Th- there's there's all sorts of stuff in here. Um, I could not tell you what's new or old, honestly, apart from a couple of them. Ranger um, is new. The the guns. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I d- as if he wasn't scary enough, they gave him a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Smash Brothers did it first when they added Joker. <laughs> well, and Solid Snake is in there with all of his bombs. Yeah, <laughs> and his CQC. <laughs> Next and up, then there's yeah. the there's the, the Digger one as well. I think that's new uh, as well. I think um, those are the two new ones. That's that's how you get through the level. You you take other people's abilities and use it against them or against other enemies of their type. You'll get boss fights. There's uh, the the way the levels are structured is really really Mario like in that there is heaps of secrets to find. Uh, each one there's like five objectives. So you got your main objective. Uh, the second one is always you know find as many waddledees as you can. And then there's a there's like three randomized that are based on the level, which is like find three of something or uh, find a secret or whatever. Um, that stuff I'm really enjoying. Um, and unlike me with these sorts of games, I've actually gone back in a couple of times to get stuff I know I've missed, which is very rare. Um, but those the waddledees that I mentioned, they're, they're the key objective to basically your progression throughout the game, really, aren't they? So like each world requires you to catch a certain number to progress to the next world. That's right, isn't it? Or to unlock the boss, at least. So. To unlock the boss. But yeah. um, they also unlock new features in Waddle D Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started playing it, Andrew, who had already started it, likened it to Mario 3D World versus Bastion, and I instantly understood what he meant when I went back to <laughs> to the to the town. Um, so yeah, every time you beat levels, you or collect Waddle uh, when you hit milestones and tiers. I think there's some story milestones here that trigger some of the stuff but you unlock benefits back at Waddle Town um, such as being able to improve your abilities so I think the only one only two I've got so far is the, the lava one and the uh, boomerangs I think uh, cutter yeah um, yeah that, that that's a really neat system it's the thing is that the game's already somewhat easy even on that hard difficulty and the, the powered-up abilities seem to make it that little bit easier. Oh, just wait. <laughs> it gets even easier when you get the uh, the next tier of upgrades. Like, the, the dragon fire ability just annihilates the rest of the game. I got, I got the uh, no-hit clear on 
the second to last boss on my first attempt using wow. dragon fire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I I embarrassingly nearly died to the first major boss by like I had a slither of health. Mm. And I was like, no, this is the easiest game ever. This cannot happen. Um, so that was, that was kind of embarrassing. Um, but that first boss, I saw someone make make the meme, like uh, had a picture of the boss and Kirby and called it uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. <laughs> and I was like, that kind of works because that's probably the amount of times you end up dying in the game. Um, <laughs> the the level design, I'm, I'm really enjoying so far. Um, I had an early concern that some of these like side objectives were going to but they're getting it pretty samey and i guess in a way they kind of are like they, they always fit the level you're on the one thing i feel i'm missing is the the blueprints i found another two or three uh in, in my last play session but i feel like i'm missing a couple so i might have to go back and hunt for those maybe and you just keep playing yeah you'll get you'll you'll get something that'll let you know just just keep playing <laughs> okay um, so yeah, so how, how do we feel about the uh, the level design? I, I kind of tend to categorize these things in like uh, you know S tier Nintendo, B tier that sort of thing. What what level do we think this is on? Um, in terms of like gameplay, I call it fine, average, nothing, yeah. <laughs> nothing special. Um, I think the magic is with Kirby himself and his abilities and how they've translated it to 3D and mm-hmm. the levels just kind of accommodate that. They don't do too much. I mean, some of the levels are really interesting with the way that they do mouthful mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about that. So there's, there's like a, a contextual ability uh, that Kirby can use called mouthful mode where he'll just suck onto, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to just reword that. Uh, he will uh, inhale uh, an item and it will help him uh, in a a meaningful way. So the first one, obviously, is the car, um, which gave me... uh, I loved the intro after you you first get this. That was unexpected. It goes to the cutscene. And the music... Is this an anime? What's going on here? (laughs) Yeah, I had had strong Ghibli vibes (laughs) with that whole sequence. Um, but he can like use steps to to move steps into useful places. Uh, there was the the funny one was where he turns into kind of like a condom, where he sucks up the big ring and you can use it to project a boat around. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant where he wraps <laughs> himself like. around the orb and you have to uh, jiggle the joystick to uh, yes, uh, make the uh, um, the orb um, pop off. Um, <laughs> bow, chicka, wow, wow. <laughs> uh, and then there's the arch where that makes him fly. Um, there, to be honest, there were way more uses here than I thought there would be. Um, I kind of did that thing where I stopped watching as soon as I knew I was going to buy it. <laughs> so maybe that's part of it, but... Yeah, mouthful mode has come up a lot more than I expected. There's one really good mouthful mode that I really like. It's a little bit of a spoiler. It, it'll be World 3 for you. Mm-hmm. Am I okay to... Yeah, go for it. It's fine. Um, he can do mouthful mode on a roller coaster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it kind of turns into like a, a rhythm sort of thing. Not, not so much a rhythm, a timing sort of puzzle. Where you can lean the the um, what do you call it the carriage? Yeah, 
yeah, you can lean it left, right, or tall. Death Because it's like got a giant mm. fin on it, so you can collect things, hit switches, avoid obstacles. I like it. I'm not good at it, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the other thing you unlock as well by finishing levels is uh, treasure roads. And you can also find some of these around on the map where you, you hover over something and a search item will come up and it'll unlock a, a treasure road for you. And these are kind of like little challenges. This is another area where it's really like 3D world. Um, and as a more recent example, uh, Sackboy's Big Adventure. In Bastion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and Bastion. Um, and these are just little challenges uh, that are they're kind of themed around an ability or they've got a gimmick. Uh, and you have to try and beat them as quickly as possible. And if you get to the end, then you get a star, which is part of the whole uh, ability improvement system, really, isn't it? So you, yeah. you spend those to increase your the effectiveness of Kirby's abilities. That That's pretty neat. I, I am actually enjoying those, but I kind of save them up to do them all in one go. Don't know if anyone else does that. Um, nope, just just me. I'm no, weird. Okay. I, I do it as soon as I can. <laughs> yeah, I do them as soon as I unlock them. <laughs> uh, I'm either actually no, I'm waiting till the the end of each boss and then going back and doing them. But yeah, so that's that. Yeah, I I believe it's like ten hours long. Does that sound about right? It didn't feel like a long game. There is an end game. I'll talk about that a bit later, but. The main story and missions didn't feel like a terribly long game, and I'm I'm not actually yeah. sure if it's as long or longer or not as or whatever as a normal Kirby game. But it feels like they were playing it safe with not overstaying the welcome, so to speak. Speaking of mm-hmm. 3D World and overstaying your welcome, oh, <laughs> you leave that wonderful game alone. No, I will not. That game went on way too long after... It did It, it did not. I beat it, it in two, two afternoons and it was great. The post, did game. you play the post-game? Because I don't think you did the post-game in two afternoons. I never play post-game. Yeah, well, that's what I'm talking about is the post-game. And that game's post-game is freaking long and repetitive and hard and boring. It's the post-game. <laughs> that's you know, part of the game. The <laughs> and if the part of the game is bad, I'm going to say so. <laughs> That that's self inflicted. Um okay, so how long to beat has this game at nine hours, twelve if you want to do everything, twenty three if you're a completionist. And let's compare that to Star Allies, which was five and a half hours long Oof. if you just focused on the story. Wow. And eight and a half hours long Oof. if you did everything. Then it feels like no time has passed at all playing this game, which I guess <laughs> is a credit to it. That 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 is a very good sign. So. I was never bored it, playing. It did it. not feel like a long game. No, definitely not. But yeah, it must have just been like a really good 10 hours then. Because I'm still playing it. <laughs> it is a well-paced platformer. Um, and I just, so far, I just love it as this just very, very chill take on the 3D world formula. Like, I know you know what you're getting mm. from Kirby most of the time. You're just getting a nice, easy, friendly platformer with very weird eldritch themes. Oh, wait until you get yeah. to the, the end. I mean, <laughs> that, I'm ex- that's I'm not a spoiler. It. Kirby games always that's do it. this. Yeah, I was going to say, because uh, Andy's only playing Star Allies, so he doesn't know. That's just kind of a thing in Kirby games. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, talking of post-game then, uh, 
Tori, you, you had some stuff to say about that. So I, I've been a Kobe fan since I was a kid, so I've played a lot of them, but not all of them. But it feels like the game's endings have become more and more hype. And while the hype, the, there's definitely hype in the ending of this one, I won't spoil anything. Um, the ending of Planet Robobot was just absolutely wild, over the top, and I loved every minute of it. Um, this one, Forgotten Land, doesn't quite meet that hype, but it's still good. I don't know if it's fair to compare because it's a whole new play system. Um, anyway, more on the actual end game. It actually does continue the story. There's an additional boss at the end. Uh, I haven't reached it yet, but there's, I think, seven levels. But each level is the entire world, if that makes sense. It's like back-to-back -back each level in that world. Ew. <laughs> there's, it's truncated a little bit, but instead of collecting Waddle Dees, you're collecting uh, soul fragments for a character. To try and save what the them. hell is Kirby for crying out? <laughs> yeah, it's he is an angel and a demon in equal parts. Yeah. Uh. It's interesting because it's kind of like slightly remixed versions of those levels, and it's really rapid. There's no real long loading screens in between sections, hmm. but they still feel a little bit like a slog. Yeah, when, when I got to that that screen where you can see those levels, I kind of looked at them and I kind of got the idea that's what they were. It's like, oh, these are just like greatest hits versions of all the worlds I had just played. And I already knew from just looking at the uh, the par times for the treasure roads, I wasn't going to 100% complete this game because I, I didn't want to play those levels over and over just to get those par times to for completion. So I looked at these and I was like, eh. Nah, that's all right. I'm done. <laughs> and I checked out of the I, game. I want to do it because the, the, it is additional content. It just mm. feels... Lazy's not quite the right word. It, it feels efficient. <laughs> <laughs> it's thematically, it makes sense because it's something to do with psychic energy and memories and stuff. But... I don't know. It's really disappointing. I would have really liked like extra remixed levels. Um, the bosses are harder. I'll grant them that. But otherwise, it just feels a little cheap. The other thing is that this game has collectibles in the way of uh, gacha capsules. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't touch them. You don't unlock the second volume of these capsules until, I think, after you beat the third world second or third world but i had the impression that each volume would be tied to each world so i completed the first volume before i unlocked the second volume but even when i got to like the sixth or seventh world and i had all four volumes of these capsules unlocked just by story progress it still gives me capsules for volume one in the levels so I'm just getting nothing but doubles. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, looking at the counters, I think you can actually get doubles on the, the capsules. And you can get the capsules in the levels themselves, too. You don't just have to get them from the, the crank machine in town. And I was barely keeping up on coins with buying the upgrades, so I, just, I didn't even spend my coins on the capsules. And that's another yeah. reason I just decided I don't want to 100% this game just 
because I don't want to play with capsule machines and I don't want to grind coins for the capsule machines. Just no, I got better things to do with my life than uh, play RNG to uh, 100% complete a game. <laughs> my recommendation is don't touch the machines until you've like done everything in the game mm-hmm. because otherwise you're just going to get doubles and it's just a waste. I can't think of a single game where collecting miniatures has benefited the game in any way whatsoever. Only add it made it actively worse, and I'm, I'm thinking of two Zelda games right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you really uh, get anything for completing them anyway, so it's more of a how, how much do you want to replay levels over and over. I'm hoping that they add like post-game support to this like they did with Star Allies, Maybe that could justify replaying it, but well, I've given up on the capsules. There's also the boss rush mode, which I think would probably be the best way to actually earn coins. Yeah. But I, I still <laughs> I had no interest in, in grinding coins, even if the, <laughs> there is the boss rush mode. And like, there's a, an NPC you can talk to that actually tracks world records. So there's some, there's some score chasing there, too, if you're into that. Well, there's the Colosseum mode as well, which I think is the boss rush that you're talking about. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, definitely do that once you unlock it, because you get a really good sword ability out of it. It's no dragon fire, but it is really good. Uh, if you're on full health with Kirby, uh, it shoots sword beams like Zelda, and they do mm. a lot of damage, like a lot of damage to bosses. Um, and... Once you unlock the item shop, you can get the item that will give you extra health bars. As long as one of those health bars is full, it counts as full health. <laughs> so you can take damage to still shoot Ooh. sword beams. Mm. Another thing that I didn't spend any coins on because I needed all my coins for upgrades. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, based on my experience on the, the first two worlds, I definitely recommend people play this if they'd like a nice uh, chill platformer. Um, just let's talk about how pretty it is as well like what a lovely colorful beautiful game um i recently just got an oled tv uh mm-hmm. which is ki- kind of the oled switch's fault um and it looks stunning love it i played it mostly in desktop mode or tabletop mode and yeah it looks pretty good on an oled screen mm-hmm. it looks like it's running native resolution on both handheld and uh, TV mode because hmm. I can't because normally Nintendo games you can see the jaggy edges and this game not so much it hmm. looks like they're taking shortcuts in different areas like um, low frame rate on animations in the distance oh yeah that's, that, yeah, that's noticeable that. <laughs> yeah I don't really care about that personally I mean I see it in um, Elden Ring and Elden Ring is like the Creme de la creme right now, and if if, if Elden Ring mm-hmm. does it, then I don't want to hear anybody complaining about anything else. <laughs> it's something that they in will. the future they can fix with like interpolation of frames or something, like DLSS type of thing, but with animation. Anyway, that's not related. <laughs> in the year two thousand, <laughs> is that too old a joke for uh, our listeners? Probably. <laughs> 90s late night TV reference never mind (laughs) game's pretty Uh, that's my point yeah very pretty anyway so I think we all recommend it uh, with our own individual caveats at this this stage I think it's worth uh, mentioning that it looks like a kids game but it really is for everyone 
mm-hmm. which is kind of Kirby in general. Like even Kirby. Oh, what was the Kirby game? Goodfield made. <laughs> what was that called? It's on Wii. Goodfield. Uh, um, Epic Yarn. Yarn. Uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn. Yeah, yeah Epic where Yarn. Kirby is made yeah. out of yarn. <laughs> <laughs> but still, a game for all ages, even though it looks like a game for preschoolers. Oh yeah, it it's got some challenge in there at times. Um, it's mm. no Dark Souls, but um, wow. I, we, we didn't even mention there's like a dodge mechanic in this, which I almost never used. Because I I used it a lot in the boss battles. I used it on the, no damage. I used it on one of the boss battles where the, where the the armadillo rolls at you because I felt mm. like you had to use it there. But otherwise, yeah. I found it it wasn't responsive enough for me, so I just didn't use it. Because, like, you have to stop, and then you have to hold down the button, and then you have to press a direction. It's like, no, that's not how I operate. When I dodge, I press the button, and I press the joystick at the same time. I don't stop first. So I just, I didn't bother using it. Uh, and now I'm like, did I miss a tutorial somewhere? No, the game oh, no, I, I found it by accident. The game never explains oh, okay. it to you. Oh, good. Um, press, good. press one of the triggers to make him crouch, and then press a direction, and he'll do a dodge and if you do it last minute like a perfect dodge um you, i think you get like a a bit of a time slowdown and a free attack uh, my big takeaway from this conversation is about uh although it's a kid-friendly game how hard it is to describe uh kirby's abilities without sounding like a pervert <laughs> <laughs> had to stop myself several times oh yeah <laughs> oh my god cool. so uh well let, let, let's move on to something that uh definitely isn't kid friendly my copy of uh, grand theft auto trilogy the definitive collection finally arrived since i've been away it's worth mentioning that you know it was famously bad ports for everyone on all platforms uh when it first launched um the company are called grove street games they're not owned by Rockstar, but they do a lot of their ports for mobile and some other platforms. And apparently, this is the first time they've ever had like major issues like this, which has been really weird because everyone in in all the complaint articles was always blaming Rockstar. It's like they didn't do the porting; they were probably as surprised by it as as anyone. Mm. Um, the story seems to be they didn't give Grove Street Games enough time or enough resources to do this properly. Mm. So. It, it probably was Rockstar's fault. They just had unrealistic expectations, and they had a release date, and that's that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and some of the like bugs and stuff seem to indicate that it was like uh, remastered by algorithm or something. Yeah, cause, like, just... <laughs> because of the time constraints. They didn't have time to do it yeah. proper, so they, they assigned a computer to do a lot of the tasks. So uh, how I'm going to structure this, I'm going to make some broad observations about the trilogy and the porting, um, and then I'm going to just do a little bit about each game just to give some context about what they're like. Um, so yeah, so it's been patched. I have not played the pre-patched version, so I can't compare it. Um, Performance-wise for the Switch, uh, were it not for the the camera and UI improvements, I might have believed that this was just the original renderware. <laughs> release uh because it still has all of those classic quirks um and in in kind of a one kind of way like i'm kind of glad because like those quirks are part of what i loved traditionally about these games so um some of these quirks include like cars phasing in and out 
at the furthest distance away or, or popping in directly behind you if you suddenly reverse the camera, uh, which pro tip is a great way to spawn a car if you're in a pinch. Uh, has the same frame dips that the original had? Like this is this feels very, very, oh, what's the word? True to the original release. Um, and there's some popping lag, which is just, that's just the games. They always had that. In the visual upgrade stakes, like, it's only really the game's protagonists and a couple of other key characters that have had those, I, I don't want to call them makeovers because they're kind of terrifying, but you get the idea. Um, all the other NPCs are still like terrifying night creatures that they always were um, with their, their weird arms and postures and body proportions. But the Switch version also has that, you know, that Switch port blur when games are just kind of dumped on the platform you, you know what i mean which is the most annoying part if, if they'd have just ported the original versions at the you know at their highest resolution i feel like it would have looked a lot better because they perform in a way that was you know i'm familiar with with the original releases it's kind of it hasn't been like a big deal breaker for me or anything like that but it does sort of take a shine off the word definitive uh, I should download San Andreas at least on Xbox because I think that's on Game Pass just for a, a comparison. Uh, I think I'll probably do that. One of the, the big complaints as well was the soundtrack got cut um, and I think like the soundtracks are a large part of people's memories of these games so it's fair that people would be apprehensive uh, about that um, especially when it's meant to be the definitive version and then it has stuff cut which kind of <laughs> instantly removes the definitiveness. Uh, but it's not as big a problem as as it sounds. So Grand Theft Auto 3 had the lightest soundtrack and it was mostly made up of original music or music by unknowns. The exception to that was the Flashback Station, which was pretty much just uh, Giorgio Moroder's Scarface soundtrack, and that's still here. So, uh, And that's the only one worth listening to, really, <laughs> in that game. Uh, Vice City... Most of the great songs are here. The most notable misses include Michael Jackson, and that's kind of understandable, his omission. Yeah, you wouldn't um, want the wholesome Grand Theft Auto brand to be associated with Michael Jackson. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to get into some of that later. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, San Andreas is the one that got hit the most in terms of some of its music highlights. Again, a lot of this stuff is subjective based on people's music taste, but um, I really missed... Uh, listening to Horse with No Name while mm. driving through the desert. Is it uh, Rage Against the Machine is missing? Is Eminence Front on there? Can't remember. Um, and uh, yeah, Rage Against the Machine missing. Uh, two packs. I just don't give a bleep. Was one of the highlights for me from the original. That's gone. Um, but Welcome to the Jungle is still here. Uh, they probably had an easier ride with that one licensing because uh, Axl Rose is one of the DJs. Oh yeah, that's true. I was going to say uh, Axel Rose likes money, but he does. Yeah, and likes pretending to be a DJ. I'm sure he got paid. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, the biggest benefits of the definitive version is it's got contemporary camera controls, which the originals didn't have. So the right stick works as it does in a modern game. Uh, the weapon select is a thousand times better. Uh, you hold the button, it slows time down, and you can select what weapon you want in slow-mo. That's brilliant. Are you talking about all three um, games or just San Andreas? All three. Hmm. Um, and 
mission checkpoints are now in for all three games. So if you die or get caught during a mission in any of the three games, you can choose to return to the cutscene with the mission giver and with all your gear intact. Oh, that's so nice. Because like, I, that was the thing in those three games on PS2 I hated. I did manage mm-hmm. to finish all of them, but I hated how when you got arrested or when you died, you lost all your guns and most of your cash. You mm-hmm. basically had to start over from scratch. And I... I never liked the mayhem part of Grand Theft Auto. I don't like just running around shooting people just to get cash. So I would always drive back to the safe house and save. And every time I failed a mission, and mm-hmm. because these missions are so janky, you will fail them a lot, I would reload my old save, which meant I was driving from the safe house to the mission a lot. So I really like that change because the penalty for dying or getting arrested was just too extreme. That was my favorite mm-hmm. change in Grand Theft Auto 4 was... You didn't lose all of your stuff when you died or when you got arrested. You got a good chunk of it back, so you didn't have to start from scratch. Uh, Now, actually, San Andreas did introduce mid-mission checkpoints, even in the original release. Uh, Hmm. And they still exist here, so they're really useful. The the, the only reason I actually remember that is the big bank heist in that game. So... Hmm. um, Well, San Andreas was a long time ago for me, so... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I've played it so many times though because I kept having corrupt saves Oof. and then a PlayStation failure and then I finally beat it on Xbox 360 backwards compatibility. Nice. So that was, yeah. So the next thing is the cast list for these three games are like baffling that they were able to get these people. <laughs> Frank Vincent, Joe Pantoliano, Michael Madsen, Michael Rappaport, Kyle McLaughlin, Robert Loggier, Ray Liotta, William Fitchner. Tom Sizemore, Dennis Hopper, Burt Reynolds, who apparently was such a pain that that's why they vowed to use mostly unknowns <laughs> for the the re, the re, reboots, the soft reboots. From what I've heard about um, Burt Reynolds, that's basically what everybody says after they work with him. Never again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Louis Guzman, Danny Trejo, Gary Busey, Lee Majors, Samuel L. Jackson, Debbie Harry, Ice-T, Clifton Collins Jr., Chris Penn, Peter Fonda, David Cross, and there are so many more, and there's a couple I won't mention because they're confirmed right-wing nut jobs. <laughs> James Woods! Well, at least he, so, he yeah. plays a right-wing nut job in the game, so, you know. He does. <laughs> he, he's a cop. Yeah. <laughs> he's an FBI agent um, who believes in conspiracies because yeah. he knows conspiracies yeah. are real, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which he's probably he's the perfect counter to the truth, who also knows that conspiracies are real, but for very different reasons. <laughs> so the humour is something that we're going to get on. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not wholesome, uh, and it's always been called like the like a satire of modern American life. It is. I, that's the best way to think of it. Is it's a satire of American culture, especially American movies, as seen from a British developer. Because I'm not sure many people mm-hmm. realize that Rexstar is a British developer. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's amazing how much that commentary still holds up in 2022. Like, a, a, a lot of it is, like, characters being right-wing and then making fun of right-wing through those characters, um, the- especially on the radio stations. Like, there's there's this whole segment in GTA 3 about protesting but not knowing what they're protesting <laughs> against, and that just holds up so well. Yeah. Um, the ammunition but- stores are hilarious. Yeah. They're, they're barely parody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there are some jokes that don't hold well in today's climates. Uh, San Andreas in particular, like I was driving around one area, they had pride flags up, but there was a a radio ad that was kind of trans-ignorant. I don't know if I'd call it transphobic, but 
um like it's there and it clashes with with that kind of stuff I, um just in culture at the time like broadly like that was the only way trans people were ever discussed then was as, as mm-hmm. a punchline there was there was nothing besides that it was not a great time to be a trans person yeah it's it's more like it's not again it's not like transphobic transphobic but it's a joke about about the expense of the transitioning process so it's it's kind of and then when they've got pride flags in that side it kind of clashes you know um in vice city uh there's a a donut shop ad that's mostly gay stereotypes and that's kind of like yeah that's, that's kind of like the worst of it but I, I was actually surprised with how much of it held up and held up well more just from my point of view it's a warning they're there that the, these are products of a of a time <laughs> and a lot of people who played these don't don't think that same way anymore um okay game specifics uh grand theft auto 3 uh this is kind of, it's almost like the original open world game isn't it it's like uh the the yeah. original original games were top-down games made by dma uh they were fun by the for the time but the controls were super difficult uh and the the games people i knew barely progressed in them um and they kind of only existed because of a bug like they were trying to make a driving game and a bug made the cops act crazy and they were like <laughs> okay let's 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 make this the game uh, and then rockstar took over the transition to 3d um sidebar the recent microsoft xbox documentary <laughs> they it revealed that take two offered it to them as an exclusive for the original xbox and they rejected it because they couldn't see how the 2d version could translate well into a fun oh 3d game oh my god that is dark souls level bad of missing out <laughs> yeah and and they said they they regretted it um because its sales were only surpassed by its direct sequel <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah so three like i've played this game well over 20 times in my lifetime uh, I know its map better than I know real world places where I've lived. Uh, I finished this one in two nights. Like it's the shortest of the of this trilogy that weirdly starts with number three. Um, but uh, yeah, I just still know it inside and out. So uh, a lot of it, this one, it's kind of like the blueprint for what comes, and it's got a lot of flaws. But just because I know it so well, it's just like I'm easy, I'm able just to get through those uh, very very quickly. Uh, so yeah, in this one you play an unnamed NPC, uh, or at that time unnamed, <laughs> whose girlfriend betrays him during a bank job. He gets busted out during a prison transfer, and then through his fellow escapees' connections, he's invited to start working for the Leone family, uh, which is a play on the Godfather's Corleone family. And there you work your way up the chain. Um, on the subject of the naming, fans argued over his name for years. I was one of these weird forum dwellers that used to <laughs> follow onto the weird game conspiracies like people looking for the yeti in san andreas all that kind of jazz some of this went <laughs> really deep down the rabbit hole uh, but there was a cold group of people that thought he was called fido because one of the characters calls him that like he's a dog because he's just you know the errand boy kind of thing um and then Sarcasm somehow he blind. got called yeah he got called claude as a nickname i don't know where that came from but they I... kind of Form- formally gave him that in San Andreas, which I'll get to. Oh, okay, I was gonna say I <laughs> thought that came from San Andreas. The- yeah, it was no, that the it was rumored before. Mm. I think it was like an internal name for him, maybe like a rock star name. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a blank slate basically. You're meant to just be be him. 
Um, this one takes its cues from many mobster movies. Um, eventually, the the Leone family betray you, and you you end up kind of on like a different uh, on a tour of all the different organized crime flavors, um, such as. Uh, so you go from mafia to yakuza then you work for a corrupt cop then the wealthy businessman who uses gang activity for financial gain um when i originally played it i was so mad at getting betrayed by the leone family originally i spent like a week really annoyed (laughs) uh we're we're kind of in a position now where open world games are all that are released now but like (laughs) at the time there was nothing like this Uh, and you i can't think of any well, uh, it depends um, upon how broad you're being when you say when nothing like this. There had been open world games before. Super Mario 64, I'd say, is pretty open. It's pretty sandboxy. Uh, but like, if you want to go yeah, as far back it, as the Elder Scrolls, like the very first Elder Scrolls game, that was an open world game. It was the size of the UK. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. But th- that's this fair. was the first one. Like, a lot of people look on like GoldenEye as like one of the first like shooters, but it's because it was the first one that did well on consoles. It was the first one that was. Mm-hmm. Mass mass market available and was broadly appealing and available to a large number of people so that's probably the the honor that gta 3 really holds is it was Uh, the most accessible and first successful like huge open world game um i also mean like in some of the things that this game started they carry on now such as uh the structure like you go to an icon on the map to a mission giver they give you the thing you do the thing you profit um every mission is like varied like they they do a lot with very little in this one um and i i I still love every mission in this game like even with the quirks of the era the map size is something to talk about uh liberty city is made up of three main islands and you kind of unlock them as you hit key milestones so like the first one the bridge is blown up during the the opening cutscene, which means you can't get across to the other side which is like the manhattan area and um, the other one is a raising bridge whose mechanism is broken um but if you're industrious you can get around this really early on are the loading screens still there in the remaster the loading screens are not there oh, that's not in this remaster. that's nice yeah at least there's one significant upgrade <laughs> yeah but also like the the way you can get to these areas quicker you can also mess with missions so there's one where you're asked to go fetch a car that has a body hidden in the boot and you're meant to dump it the second you get it in the car you get accosted by the Ferrelli brothers who are in two different cars and they relentlessly chase you while you're trying to get to the the, uh, the trash compactor or the car compactor um, one of them wait, is waiting in the car park across from your target car and if you can steal a bus and park it in front of it they can't move <laughs> so i i love stuff like that and you can just see them in the background in the cutscene, just like failing to move it's it's bloody hilarious yeah and also that mission's great because if you get hit in the boot which is very likely you, you see the body curled up in the, in the boot <laughs> so yeah this this is kind of like the blueprint its ideas are dwarfed by the following games uh, worth mentioning, if you can't fly in this one, but there's a plane without wings you can steal from the airport on the third island, and you can kind of get it airborne for a while. Um, I have lost my skills on that. Uh, and there are no motorbikes, which was introduced in uh, Vice City, uh, and I think they make fun of that in the original Vice City manual about how Liberty City were con- considering a ban on motorbikes to explain that time time gap. 
Uh, the next sections are, are, are going to be a lot quicker. These are just short bullet points on on what the following games did differently. Uh, Vice City, set in the 80s, you play as Tommy Facetti, who's played by Ray Liotta. He's fresh out of jail, uh, and he's part of the Ferreira gang, who I just mentioned before. And they kind of dislike him because he got pinched. So they send him to Vice City to oversee a low-level drug deal. The deal goes south, it's kind of been set up, uh, and the Ferrellis blame Tommy for losing his money, Uh, so he promises to recoup it. Um, So much like in the first game, this is spent helping the local criminals, but in this case, instead of going on a tour, Tommy's kind of raising his profile amongst the other criminals and befriending them. This was the first one as well. Instead of being a, a mute blank slate, you're playing as a character who's got their own agency, their own uh, missions. Um, and the story kind of addresses one of the criticisms of the first game, which is that you ended the game with so much money, if you didn't die a lot, that you didn't really have anything <laughs> to do with it except by by weapons. So at a certain point in the story, Tommy's able to take over Vice City. Uh, and this puts you in a position to buy businesses littered around. A uh, bunch of these things open up their own sets of missions. Uh, that once complete, then the business starts earning heaps of money for you, which you can then use to buy more businesses, which opens up more missions. And then it gets to a head when the uh, Ferrellis decide they want their, their paycheck. And Ubisoft was like, wow, that's a good idea. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do that. And Ubi- In every game we make <laughs> from now on. <laughs> and U- U- Ubi Towers were born. Now, there, there are no proper Ubi Towers here, but yeah. <laughs> Word of advice to be careful with your money up to that point where you're willing to take over i failed a mission and i accidentally backed out of the mission checkpoint screen and it saved which meant i died and lost all my gear i spent all the money i had to get on all my Uh. weapons back and then meant i couldn't buy my first businesses uh, when the story needed and it took many hours of holding up this one poor pharmacist who was near a pay and spray (laughs) Uh, uh, so yeah i kind of hit a brick wall for a while but yeah had to grind a little bit to get out of it that's that. Uh, unlike GTA 3, you don't really go on the big tour of crime bosses. You do help other other families and stuff, but it's still very mafia-based. Um, oh, Also, uh, on the uh, being able to screw with mission structures, the final mission, you end up with the, the main antagonist stood in the hallway of your mansion, and you're meant to just like cut through waves and waves of enemies. Uh, I I cheated this by going up to the roof, jumping off the roof, and then shooting him through the doorway, <laughs> which worked even though the doorway was a loading screen. So that's kind of impressive. <laughs> okay, San Andreas. So this is the quickest one, but the, the, it does some pretty different things to the other two. Where the previous games took inspiration from mafia movies like Goodfellas, Casino, or Scarface, this one takes inspiration from films like Boys in the Hood. You play as CJ, Carl Johnson, a 90s gangbanger who returns from Liberty City to San Andreas uh, to mourn the murder of his mother. When he arrives, he's met with Snark from his old gang called uh, Grove Street. Is the movie included in this remaster? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, because there is like this whole like movie they made. It's, it's not a long movie, but it's a movie that actually explains all this. Because when you play the game, it just kind of dumps you into the middle of things and expects you to know what's going on. (laughs) Which was a problem for me, because I had no idea the movie existed the first time I played this game. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, But yeah, so he's he's met with Snark from his old gang, who are called Grove Street, which is the name of the porting company as well. And he quickly gets pulled back into the old life he ran away from in that he's dealing with rival hoods, doing drive-by shootings, and uh, trying to 
navigate corrupt cops, one of which is played by Samuel L. Jackson, who is brilliant in this game, by the way. Yeah, he's the main bad guy, um, and he's he's, he's yeah, really good. He's, he's fantastic. Uh, the story kind of like it, it starts off in this gangbanger thing, but it very quickly goes through a lot of twists and turns, and you, you deal with a lot of different scenarios, especially uh, as CJ tries to expand his operations. He he learns to do business in a different way, um, and you get similar. You can buy businesses much in the same way as Vice City, which gives you access to different things. So, like, you can buy a desert airstrip where you learn to fly. And <laughs> Hopefully you learn to fly. <laughs> all this sort of stuff. <laughs> kind of essential. <laughs> it's an infamous mission. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this, this map here is just so big. Like, it's, the, the, it's not a city, it's a state. Um, probably by today's standards, it's probably small on its footprint but like there's still a lot of driving through mm-hmm. uh, nondescript desert and stuff yeah it represents um, kind of the area in the u.s between san francisco los angeles and las vegas mm-hmm. that triangle of space yeah and he said hollywood it was vinewood mm-hmm. this this one has some of my favorite supplementary characters of the series um and i feel like it's the one that has the most attempt at doing any sort of character development with any of them still era specific like by today's standards that stuff does not hold up well but <laughs> you know for, for its time remember when ice T was a hardcore gangster rapper <laughs> or not ice T, yeah. not ice T. um ice cube <laughs> ice cube is in this yes. game <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh yeah so this is the game what makes the whole thing a trilogy in that it it's the one that pulls together the stuff from the other games and makes it a combined universe like we have characters returning from vice city who we met in the 80s and this game set in the 90s so you get to see how they're how they're progressing um as i mentioned before gta 3's protagonist and his antagonist from gta 3 turn up earlier in their lives um catalina is the antagonist from gta 3 and she is funny as hell in this game and th- this is where they finally give him his name of of claude um in one of her uh, psychotic phone calls to you after your relationship has ended. <laughs> oh yeah, you get a mobile phone in this game, which you can only answer while you're walking, which is kind of annoying. But they they address that in in four. And this is the one where they tried to make it an RPG. Like, so if, if CJ eats too much fast food, he gets fat. If you run a lot, he'll lose body mass. You can pump iron to increase your strength, um, which you need to do at least for one mission. Yeah, like uh, lung lung capacity, bane of my existence. Several times over, like those things exist. Um, and I don't know how I did this, but I never once had to interact with them. Like, in terms <laughs> of, like, CJ putting on weight. Cause I, I think every time I healed, I would just drive back to the safe house and just go to bed. I think that was how I healed. I never I never bought food. Mm. So CJ never put on weight. And then I finally got to the mission where you have to swim. Uh, and I was like, what? <laughs> I had to basically had to grind for, I don't mm. think it was for that long, but I had to grind for a little while just to get his exercise up to the point where he could actually survive the swimming mission yeah (laughs) so yeah there are rpg elements in this uh, but there's really only one mission where they actually matter yeah um there's that and there's one where uh to get the um swipe card for the casino job you need to date a woman and she won't unless you're buff (laughs) 
so you have to go do oh. a couple of levels of weight training huh. um and also you can get around the the whole having to wine and dine a thing by just driving her off a cliff and then stealing the card from my house anyway so <laughs> i wonder if that's how i did it because i don't remember having to get cj buff yeah i had to do it a couple of times but i think you kind of naturally get most of the way there just if you run and climb a lot mm. so maybe that was it the zero missions still suck and i decided not to do them in this this run this yeah. is a, a business you own with one of your colleagues and they are notoriously difficult yeah, but not not essential. Even David Cross, the actor who voices the character, even he knows how bad those missions are and has made jokes about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, like Vice City, there is a roadblock um, to unlock the final mission. You have to hold nineteen to twenty of the gang territories, and getting those territories is the dullest thing in the game. Um, so I, I had to grind for two nights to to take over these territories. While you're trying to do it, territories you hold can get attacked, and you have to hmm. go go uh, defend them. But you can get around it by going to save, and it progresses time and abandons the whole thing. So that that's useful. <laughs> um, but yeah, as a package, honestly, I thought I would play through GTA Three start both of the others just to talk about the podcast and ditch them quickly. But I ended up just playing all three in a row i had an absolute blast playing playing them like warts and all the the launch problem seemed to be fixed they perform well enough that i didn't have an adverse reaction to playing them on switch and yeah uh, i thought my relationship with these games that i've played heaps of times before was completely over but apparently not i i loved playing these again so hmm. um yeah, just a, a lot of fun. I'm going to check out San Andreas on Xbox just to see the, the visual differences. But yeah, I've, I've even started up GTA 4 on PC <laughs> since. Because I've never played that one more than once. So I I, I remember liking it a lot. And the, just the, the engine step up between the two. Like, it seems dated by now, but just going from San Andreas to that is just massively jarring. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I honestly think now that this is a good place to play them. Um, the only other thing to mention is I don't know that any of these games are actually on the cart. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because like now you've said that, I was like, oh, maybe maybe I will give this a chance because I was going to get these even though I was not expecting them to be great ports because uh, that's just kind of typical of how Switch ports go. But now that you've said that, I'm a lot more interested in them in spite of the intensely negative reaction to the launch. But... Uh, yeah, how how does the physical release work? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it just downloads all three games for you. Ugh. Like, I put the cart in, it did all three. I don't know what data it's holding. Maybe it does have some original on there, but, I mean, you're going to want to update anyway, so it's not mm-hmm. that big a deal. The Bioshock collection um, does something similar, where it just you put the card mm-hmm. in and all three apps pop up and then you have to update each of them, so like, how much is actually on the card is something of a mystery. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I could find out. I just have to do a fresh install when I'm not connected to the internet, but I'm, I'm really not that curious to find out, so you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I do believe, like, if, if people have never played these and they're coming to these with a, a modern um modern point of view they might struggle mm-hmm. to get far because they have some quirks <laughs> uh, the, the gunplay in three in vice city is just terrible like even when i played these games when they were only a couple years old 
I, I could barely tolerate it. And mm-hmm. uh, if I could solve a problem with a car, that was how I would do it in those games. Mm-hmm. I, I avoided gunplay wherever possible. Um, and San Andreas does it better. It's, it's better. It's still not ideal. It's f- and you can crouch and roll out of the way. And, and it has a lock-on system that actually kind of works. <laughs> but for, like, if there, if there was ever a series made for cover shooting, this was it. So mm. they, I'm glad they took that in in that direction. Um, so yeah, so that's that's that. Uh, Tori, I know you had it at launch. Did you go back to it at all since? I've tried. It's just very hard to play. Maybe because I didn't play them when they originally came out. So I don't know if it's the problem is me or the game or the remaster. I did, and but even the driving if... is just impossible. Mm. I did play them when they came out, and even then, they were kind of garbage games in terms of handling, but a game like this had never been made before, so we didn't know any better. <laughs> mm-hmm. But even when playing then, I was like, this feels weird. It's amazing, the, but it feels weird. The The car handling is kind of an acquired taste, and like it, it's just muscle memory. Like I will always know how to drive these cars efficiently and smartly. And if if you're braking, you're doing it wrong, <laughs> pretty much. You you just want to be hand braking around corners like every single time, uh, which they they kind of took out of uh, Grand Theft Auto Four, which is kind of throwing me. I remember the driving in Grand Theft Auto Four being a a whole saga of issues with players. Mm. Like I didn't have a problem with it; I thought it was fine. But they they actually wanted you to brake like a real car mm. and when you're too used to power sliding like it stops your car dead when you get to the end of it yeah whereas in in the original trilogy it's just kind of like a course correction button <laughs> in driving games i never feel like i'm using the handbrake right so i i, I kind of don't ever use it <laughs> so that's probably mm-hmm. why grand theft auto 4 is like oh i can do this this is no problem but yeah uh, absolutely adore these games even even with their problems um just just be aware that they have the quirks that's it for the episode Okay, uh, what are we playing in the coming week? Andrew? Uh, there's an indie zombie survival game coming out. It's called Dismantle. You're like, you know, it's nothing new, but it's got a cool look to it, and it looks pretty functional in terms of, like, you know, its graphics and its interface. It doesn't look like just, like, a $10 rush job. So I might check it out. I might play something else. I don't know. But that's my shout-out for the episode is Dismantle, D-Y-S, Mantle. Nice. And Tori? I'm going to try and finish Kirby off entirely, but um, well, that sounds threatening, doesn't it? I'm going to finish him <laughs> off for good. You better um, do it or he's going to finish you off first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've also been playing Unpacking, so I want to play a bit more of that. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Cool. Uh, and the next thing you'll probably hear from me will be Switch Sports or Wii Sports. I'm still calling it Wii Sports. No one can stop me. It's Wii Sports. Um, but I don't know if I can. Sweet <laughs> I don't know if I can make that weekend, so I will. I will keep the guys posted. Uh, and if not, what's the big release for the month after? Xenoblade Chronicles through that September. Um, That's a good question. I don't think they've announced anything yet. Oh, uh, Fire Emblem Three Fates. That's the ju- that's, okay, yeah. that's the June release. I will probably be back for oh. that if I'm not. Mario Strikers. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yes. 
Yeah. It's your job to know okay, about yep. that game. I'm not going to remember that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I have to be there for that one. Okay, thanks for listening to episode 186 of the InFocus podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and The Power of X. They cover PlayStation and Xbox, obviously. Uh, we're all part of the game Podular community, of which you can join the Discord uh, to interact with our lively community. Uh, as a community twice, then, didn't I? <laughs> Oh well, there you've got your post-credit scene. Well done. <laughs> Just read the script as it's written, Orson Welles. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you want to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. Details for both these things are on our website. Thanks in advance. Uh, this episode was edited by Andrew. You can follow him on Twitter at PlayCritically and read his long-form reviews at playcritically.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Toast and Tori at Stew2. That's S-T-W-T-W-O. And she's also streaming at twitch.tv forward slash Tori S-T-W. 